Hey, what's up, everybody? Karma Cashflow here, and welcome to the live stream. Today is a really big day. Um, but before we get into uh, our guest and what we're going to be getting into today, uh, just really quickly, just want to tell you a little bit about what I've been doing the past 10, 11 days uh, for the entire month of August. So I am doing this challenge called LIDA, and LIDA stands for Live Every Day in August. So for the entire month, I'm going live sharing uh, tips, strategies, tactics on how to build passive income online, uh, how to work from home. You know, with everything going on in today's world, there's, you know, a lot of people that are out of work, they're at home. And, you know, I really wanted to help them that um, make money while they're at home so that, you know, they don't have to rely on that typical nine to five uh, that you know, they got let go from. So I decided to do this Lita challenge. And one of the things that came to mind was YouTube. And YouTube, I feel is a great way uh, to make additional money on the site and utilize it for your business. So uh, I'm not an expert on YouTube personally. So I decided I would go ahead, bring an expert uh, on that, um, uh, knows just about everything there is on YouTube. Uh, so uh, I wanted to bring on my good friend, Nick Nimmin. How's it going, Nick? <laughs> Fantastic, Karma. I'm so pumped up to be here, man. So awesome and excited to have this uh, conversation here with you today, talking about YouTube and you know just helping people out um, online for people that are interested in doing anything related to YouTube. This is going to be the conversation to listen to for that, <laughs> for that topic. Yeah. <laughs> but super pumped to be here. Yeah, man. So, so excited for you to be here. W was nervous as well before we started, but now, you know, nerves gone. But um, so for those that um, are watching here that may not know who you are, maybe live or in the replay, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what your channel is about? Absolutely. Um, my name is Nick. I teach people how to grow YouTube channels, make videos and all types of YouTube and video related things. Um, that includes live streaming as well, by the way. Um, but basically, uh, my entire YouTube channel is a resource for content creators. So if you go to my YouTube channel and you make videos for YouTube, there is not one video on my YouTube channel that is not for you. So if you're looking for anything related to YouTube and you're trying to get a deeper understanding because YouTube is hard, there's a lot of stuff that you got to learn, then definitely head over to my channel and uh, check it out. You'll learn a ton. Yeah. Um, so I had a question. All right. Th this is something that I actually got asked by uh, one of my clients is that can YouTube be a legitimate business all its own? Or is it just something that is kind of attached to an already pre-existing business? Without question, YouTube can be a business all of its own. Um, and a lot of content creators do just have YouTube as their primary business, their primary source of income. However, it's just like with anything else, it's wise to diversify. So when it comes to YouTube, in order to turn YouTube into a full-time income, of course, it's gonna be dependent on where you live and you know what your personal standards are in terms of lifestyle and things like that. But when it comes to generating a full-time income just from YouTube ads, um, it can get, you know, you gotta, you gotta get a lot of views and getting a lot of views on YouTube to make that sustainable, um, it's, it's a challenge. It's not that it's not possible, it's just that it's a challenge. So because of that, it's a really good approach to make sure that you are diversifying with things like affiliate marketing, sponsorships. If you do have an outside business or if you want to create one, then YouTube is a fantastic avenue for that because basically what you have when you have a YouTube channel is you have a stage to stand on. And the amount of people that you get in front of really, really is dependent on 
the skills that you develop along the way and how good your content is and how well people respond to it and so on. But once you get that ball rolling and you start to uncover, when I make videos like this, people like them. When I make videos like this, people don't like them. And then you can lean on the stuff that people like. You can start bringing a lot of attention to yourself really fast. And you don't even have to have a big audience in order to turn your YouTube channel into a cash cow. So because of that, Without question, YouTube as a standalone can be an income source, but the best way to maximize the opportunity that you have on YouTube is to diversify in as many ways as you possibly can based on the audience that you are in front of and, of course, whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish personally. Right. So uh, you mentioned something about, you know, looking at uh, analytics and so forth and see what works, what doesn't. What are like some of the top metrics that we should be looking at? Because I, I know that when I first started on YouTube, you know, I, I'm, I'm an analytical person. I love to look at data, but YouTube kind of confused me a bit. I didn't know where to look at what metrics I should be watching. What, what are some of those that uh, for our audience that, you know, a, a small YouTuber might want to look at? Sure. So when it comes to your YouTube analytics, the very first thing that you have to think about in order to get everything working for you in your favor, the first thing that you have to think about is what is it that YouTube wants, right? What YouTube wants is YouTube wants to give a viewer an awesome experience, right? They want people to click on your content so that when they show it to people, it's not wasting that impression. And then they want that person to enjoy that content that they watch. So what you do in that situation is you say, okay, well, in order to identify how good I I am at getting people to click on what it is that I'm doing, I can look at my click-through rate. Now, a lot of people will look at their click-through rate, um, and YouTube gives us this information inside of your uh, inside of your analytics, but a lot of people will look at the click-through rate, and the only thing they'll consider is the thumbnail. But in reality, when it comes to your click-through rate, there's different things that can impact your click-through rate as well. The topic of your video. If the topic itself just doesn't have a wide audience for it, or just the interest in that topic isn't high, then of course, it's going to drive down your click-through rate. Um, if your uh, thumbnail itself, it doesn't resonate with the people that they're showing it to, that also is going to drive down your click-through rate. And if the title is not in some way complementing or adding to what's going on in your thumbnail, then that title can also hurt your click-through rate as well. So because of that, you have to look at it all objectively and you have to look at it and say, okay, well, you know, my click-through rate is low, but is it just because of my thumbnail? Could I do better on my title? Is the topic... Do I just not have that much opportunity with this specific topic that I'm talking about? Because that is the thing. So your click-through rate is extremely important on YouTube. And one thing to remember is that the averages across YouTube are between two and 10%. And that's not, like they don't define what that two and 10% is in terms of the niche that it happens to be in or anything like that. They just say two and 10%. And they also don't define the impressions either. So what you have to do as a content creator is as you're publishing videos, as you're getting data from the people that YouTube is showing your content to, and that's a really important part of it, as you're getting that data on how people are responding to your content, you have to start identifying what normal looks like on your channel so that you can know, hey, this video is, is, at a normal, um, it's getting a normal response compared to what I normally get, or it's getting a lower response or a much higher response based on the amount of impressions that are that are um, that YouTube is giving it. Now, the next thing in that chain is you also have to think about that satisfactory thing that I was um, that I mentioned earlier in terms of how long people are watching your videos. Because if people are watching your videos for a longer period of time, they're clearly more satisfied with that content because they're sticking around. Now, with that said, people don't. If you have a ten minute video, people don't have to stick around for five minutes for YouTube to deem it satisfactory. The closer to that 10 minute mark that you get, the higher, you know, the higher the satisfaction because people aren't leaving, right? But you don't have to have 
10 minutes of watch time for a 10 minute uh, video in order for YouTube to, uh, to deem it satisfactory. So what you have to do again is you have to start identifying within your channel, what is it in my content, in terms of my click-through rate, in terms of my audience retention, that is an acceptable level on my YouTube channel based on the other content that I have. And then you can start basically identifying what your baselines are for everything it is that you're doing so that you can start nailing it and knowing that you're heading in the right path. Um, you know, when you start having videos that perform better or perform worse than each other, um, you can start identifying which way is the right way to go. Right. So um, you, you mentioned about uh, watch time. I've seen two different metrics on watch time. There is an actual percentage and then the actual watch minutes. Like, which should we be looking at? Should it be the watch minutes percentage? Both are important, but the total amount of watch time that you're generating is what's most important. So that's why I was saying before that you don't have to have, you know, 10 minutes worth of watch time on a 10 minute video. If you get half of that based on your space, based on how people respond to content um, around the type of content that you make, then, you know, half of that might be acceptable or, you know, two minutes and, and 30 seconds might be acceptable based on the type of your the type of content that you make. So what you have to start identifying over time is with the amount of impressions that I have with this particular video, this is the click-through rate that I'm getting for it. This is the general retention that I'm getting on it. And this is also the general amount of engagement that I'm getting on it overall. And then you build out that baseline based on how people are responding to what it is that you're doing specifically. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and within the audience retention also, just to, just to stack on that a little bit more, another thing that will also give you insight on how your videos are performing against other videos on the platform is within that same audience retention report, you also have the, uh, you have the absolute audience retention and then you have the relative audience retention. The relative audience retention, you, sw you switch to that from a dropdown and that will actually show you a graph of how your videos compare to other videos on the platform of the same length as well. So you can also get an, an, an idea of how you're competing against other people on the platform in terms of your uh, watch time that you're getting. But when it comes to your click-through rate, your watch time, the engagement that you're getting, those are just some of the things that YouTube is measuring, but they're the most important things that YouTube is measuring because those are what are dictating you know, a high level of response from the viewer. Um, but one thing that you have to think about is when it comes to YouTube giving your videos and you're giving your video impressions or showing it to people, if you're not familiar with what an impression is, it's basically when they show your video to somebody on the platform, in order for them to keep showing your content to people on the platform, your videos have to perform. But if you notice, hey, YouTube doesn't seem to be showing my, my videos to a lot of people, it might not be your click-through rate, it might be your retention, or it might not be your retention, it might be your click-through rate, or it might be not be either of those, it might be that nobody's sharing your content or nobody's liking it or nobody's commenting, just people aren't really interacting with your content that much, therefore it's not getting much promotion on the, um, I don't wanna say promotion because it's the wrong way to look at yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> not getting much exposure um, on the platform. Yeah, right, right. Now, are, are, there, are there any tools that we need for, for building this YouTube business? You know, I know you talk a, a lot about TubeBuddy. Is that something that uh, we would want to have in our toolbox? Uh, you know, in my opinion, Tube, yeah, TubeBuddy, it's the number one browser plugin for YouTube content creators and not to pitch TubeBuddy, um, but it's my favorite of all the YouTube tools. However, um, and, and every YouTuber should have TubeBuddy without question, but um, it's also important to think when I'm building a house, I use a bunch of different tools. When I'm building an online business of any kind, I use all kinds of different tools. Um, when I am doing anything, I'm using a bunch of different kinds of tools. To make this video or to make this live stream right now, we're using a bunch of different tools, right? We got cameras, we got microphones, all that stuff. When it comes to the things that you can use to help you get a deeper understanding of what's going on in your YouTube channel, to help you um, you know, uh, test your thumbnails, to help you optimize your videos for search and things like that, use everything. 
And the reason that you should use everything is because if this is something that you're wanting to do seriously and you're wanting to generate an income or you're wanting to generate leads or sales or whatever your purpose is for your YouTube channel, like use it all because, you know, it's, you're just adding to your toolkit. And some of them you're going to notice, you know, like TubeBuddy, for example, they're the only one with the A-B testing feature. So in that situation, you're going to be like, okay, when I'm testing my thumbnails, I use TubeBuddy without question. For most of the stuff, and that's why TubeBuddy is awesome, they've got pretty much all of it covered. Um, however, you are going to notice with some of the other things that there might be a different stat that you personally like to look at, and you'll want to use that particular tool for that. And there's, you know, there's a nice handful of tools. There's some that people talk about in the community and some that are more... Um, Enterprise, I don't know if enterprise is the right level, but more agency level tools um, as well. And then there's some things that you can use that are not even made for YouTube, but you can use them for your YouTube channel as well, like SEMrush, for example, to where, you know, if you're if you have any type of SEO experience, then you're probably familiar with SEMrush. And you can also use that as one of the tools for your YouTube channel as well, even though it does come, you know, with a heavier price tag than the other tools do. Yeah, no, I, I definitely believe in, in tools. You know, I, I like to teach that what we do here is building businesses. I don't consider it a hobby. I consider it a business. And with any business, you need to have a few key, you know, tools in place in order to to build, grow, and scale that business. Um, and talking about business, because I, I think of everything that we do here, uh, whether, you know, I teach financial education, but I teach uh, how to build courses, memberships, uh, do affiliate marketing and so forth. That's all business. With YouTube, is it something that you need to have like a legitimate business plan for? And if so, what would that business plan actually look like? Um, it's not something that you have to have. Like some people will approach YouTube as a, well, I'm just going to upload videos and I'm going to see what happens, right? That's that's kind of how I started, right? I, no kind of to it. That's how I started. I came onto YouTube to start collecting email addresses. So because of that, my only thing at the time was I just got to make videos that people will opt in for. Well, they'll go to my opt-in for. Like that was my only purpose at the time. But I didn't think, okay, well, I'm building a business out here and I'm doing, you know, this, that, or the other thing. It was just, hey, I'm just trying to collect some emails here. Um, but the better approach to take, of course, if you're a business-minded person is, okay, not only am I trying to generate income from this, but what all can I do with this to actually turn it into something that is generating a serious amount of income for me? And if that is your approach, then without question, you would need a business plan of some kind. But just like with anything else, you got to think of, okay, if I'm going to do this, then what is my brand going to look like across the internet? What is it that I'm actually going to have as my goal for this? If it's income, then income is the main thing that I'm going to track. It, I don't care how many subscribers I get. What I care, if my main goal is to generate a business from this, my my primary metric that I'm tracking is how much income is I am I generating from this and my content decisions are going to be based around the things that drive the most income it's not going to be based on the things that drive the most subscribers it's going to be based on the things that drive the most income because you're doing this as a business and the purpose of starting a channel is the business now when it comes to view counts of course view counts are important because view counts you know the more views you have the more opportunities that you have but if you have a large view count but it's not the right audience that's going to convert into whatever it is that you are you know selling or trying to bring attention to, then those views don't even matter either, right? And that's why it's super important to where if you're doing this as a business, you have to make sure that you're tracking the right things, which is the income that you are pulling in from your YouTube efforts or your internet efforts in general. Yeah. So um, another question, how passive 
can YouTube be? Like, uh, I, I know that we can make money off of ad revenue. What are some other resources and ways that we can make money off of YouTube that could literally turn this into a pa somewhat passive? I know nothing is 100% passive, sure. but what you know could get us the closest there? So um, when it comes to YouTube, the beauty of YouTube, when it comes to you know passive or, or, or slightly passive income, is that all you have to do is get a nice handful of videos ranked in YouTube search that are bringing attention to your business or something that you're selling, and a nice handful of videos that are ranked well in search, the high response videos that you know they maintain those search rankings. Technically, you can make a nice handful of those videos once they start to rank, once they start generating income, and you can say, okay, these videos have been generating income for me for the last you know, three months, six months. You could technically just stop and start working on another channel if you wanted to, and you could rely on those particular videos for probably quite some time if they are, you know, if they continue to rank in search because you also have the opportunity for them to rank in Google and other search engines as well. So what you do in that situation if you're targeting search is you can create a nice handful of videos that are for, you know, like high ticket items as an example, um, or affiliate items on recurring things and that sort of stuff. Like in your case, maybe Maybe it would be click funnels or something along those lines. And you could make a nice handful of those videos. And if they get positioned well in search and you keep working it until you make videos that get positioned well in search. But once they do, those videos are going to stay there. Like I, I have another until somebody comes along that, you know, that, that makes a better video. I have videos on another channel that I worked on um, that channel. I think it's like 15,000 and some change subscribers right now. But th that channel, even though it doesn't get tons of views, I still make money every single month from that channel. And I haven't uploaded to it in four years. Oh, wow. So in terms of the power of YouTube continuously bringing you money from just having something, uh, having one of your videos ranked, that's definitely a possibility and something you can do. However, if you really want to maximize what it is that you're doing, then continuously, you know, on a regular basis, uploading videos so that you can, you not only take advantage of YouTube search, but you also are making sure that you're putting out enough content to stay fresh with suggested traffic, stay on people's home pages and things like that. But even old videos, if they perform well in search and then YouTube tries them on home pages and they perform well on home pages, those old videos will still keep, you know, bringing in customers as well. But in terms of it being passive, without question, like if you have a nice stable of videos ranked in search, you can take a month off. You could go, you know, travel or do whatever it is that you wanted to do. You could come back that month later and then say, okay, now I'm going to crank out a nice handful of more videos and I'm going to, you know, and then I'm going to take off the next month. Right. So then you could technically do that and just keep surging, you know, every other month if you wanted to. Or you could say, OK, I'm just going to upload a video every two weeks. All these videos are going to be ranked to, or uh, targeted towards search. And then I'm just going to build out, you know, two videos a month or four videos a month. And then I'm going to just publish them even while I'm on vacation because YouTube has a scheduling feature and you can kind of build things out that way as well to where you always have these videos going out. Now, the only downside with that is it doesn't give you the opportunity to really interact much if you're doing, if you're taking that approach in terms of comments and things like that. But it does make it extremely passive if you decide to, you know, go down that route. The only work involved really is figuring out what affiliate offers you're going to promote and then making the videos um, in order to, you know, learning how to make videos that people respond to so that you can get them ranked in search. But then once you can, um, then you rank those videos in search and then they basically turn into little income streams for every video that you're successful with that you're able to rank in search. Right. So yeah, you, you talk a lot about, uh, you know, search. Uh, what, what, what are we talking about when, when we're specifically talking about search and, and how do we gear a video towards search? 
Sure. Um, so when it comes to search, basically what um, search is on YouTube, it's where people go up into the search box on YouTube and they start typing in something that they are interested in, something they're trying to learn, something they're trying to find, and they type in whatever keyword or whatever keyword phrase it is that they happen to be looking for. And when they do that, YouTube is going to show a search results page of videos that are matching that particular query. So in that situation, what you do is you target that query with whatever it is that your title happens to be on your video. So not just your title, but your description, what the video is about, your tags, the the whole nine, so to speak, um, of what what your content is about. You basically optimize your video for the term that you are trying to rank your video for. So when it comes to search, it's actually pretty easy. All you have to do is you just have to research, look around, try to find things that are a little bit less competitive, and you make videos topically that are about those things because, you know, the video has to be about that. Um, and then you, you know, make a good thumbnail for it, and then you put whatever phrase it is in your title, add a compelling element to it in terms of, let's say that it was how to bake a cake. I just like to use this example. But if it was how to bake a cake, then in that situation, it would be, you know, how to bake a cake in under, you know, 10 minutes or, you know, how to make a cake, how to make a cake um, that is, uh, um, you know, sugar-free and under 100 calories or whatever it happens to be for your compelling element. But the idea there is so that when people are looking for how to bake a cake, then they search, they put that into YouTube search, the search results page comes up, your video is there, it's what they just looked for in terms of the keyword phrase that was there, because there's the algorithm side that people lean on, but you got to also lean on the human side, because that's what really makes things happen on YouTube. But they just looked for, you know, how to bake a cake, you are the first thing that pops up on how to bake a cake, or one of the, you know, top five there on how to bake a cake. And then you have that compelling element that you put on the end in order to separate you from the other videos that are there and try to tap into the thing that people might care about when they're looking for um, how to make a cake. So when it comes to search, that's what I'm talking about. And when you're targeting search, the awesome thing about it is yes, without question, you could make a video about how to bake a cake. And depending on how competitive it is, you might be able to rank for just how to bake a cake with the phrase, how to bake a cake. Hmm. However, if you make it more compelling, in terms of the title to where how to bake a cake is a part of it, then the advantage that you're giving yourself once you add that compelling element is then you not only get to tap into YouTube search, but then you also get to tap into YouTube's recommendation features because people are more likely to respond to it there if you're adding something compelling. And what I mean by that is when you are targeting for search, in that particular case, it's like, hey, if somebody's looking for this, sure, it's a great fit. They just thought of this thing. They went up, they typed it in, and then there's my video. Fantastic. Great fit. As long as they respond, YouTube will keep showing my videos there. Now, when it comes to YouTube's recommendations features, that's a totally different animal because in that situation, what happens is YouTube is your, your content, I should say, when somebody logs on to YouTube, just gets shown to people randomly, right? It's content that YouTube is predicting that those people might be likely to watch at that particular point in time, in the location that they're at, on the device that they happen to be watching on, um, at what time of day it is and all that good stuff. Um, they sh they'll show that content to people. And your job as somebody that's uploading videos to YouTube is that you need to be able to take that search video and by adding that compelling element to the um, to the end of it or as part of your title and, and thumbnail combination as you put it together, then if you do that correctly, you've also made a piece of content that when it just shows up on a homepage, it's also compelling enough to get somebody to click on that as well, even though 
they didn't expect to watch your video when they logged into the platform. So there's there's the two different approaches there to where you can say I'm targeting search or I'm targeting recommendation, or you can say, I'm just gonna use this simple formula of including a keyword or a keyword phrase. However, I'm going to make sure that I'm being as compelling as possible and really thinking through what it is that I'm doing and how somebody might respond to what it is that I'm doing and the core of what it is that people are actually wanting to know when they are looking for the type of information or the type of content it is that I happen to be sharing so that when it does happen to them on YouTube in terms of it shows up on a home page or next to another video, they're more likely to uh, click on it and come in and watch it. And the more that happens and the more they enjoy your content after they click on it, then the more YouTube is gonna keep showing it to people because you're proving time and time again when they're showing it to people on their home pages and other recommendation features, you're proving time and time again that people are responding to your content. And that's what YouTube cares about. They want people to enjoy the content on the platform, keep coming back to the platform, keep watching ads. <laughs> that's what they want. So, you know, so because of that, you know, that, you know, when you're, when you're titling your videos and you're putting your packaging together um, for your content, it's really important to think I'm not necessarily just targeting one thing that might be my primary target in terms of search, but I'm going to really think this through so that I can be as compelling as possible to possibly tap into some of this other traffic as well. Wow, dude. Mind blown. <laughs> uh, so, so you're telling me I don't have to drive paid advertising to my videos? I, I no. can just do it on search? Yep, absolutely. And that's the beauty of YouTube because like, uh, you know, a lot of people think of YouTube as, you know, only a search engine, which it is, but it's also a prediction engine. And it's also something that, you know, as long as you can tap into it by framing what your video is about and making everything as compelling as humanly possible, you're giving yourself the opportunity to tap into YouTube search, to be recommended on homepages, to be recommended ne next to um, other videos on the platform and also show up off of YouTube on uh, textual search engines as well that show video results for the particular query that you're after. So all the way around, you know, when you're uploading videos to YouTube and you are targeting um, search, as long as you do it in a compelling way, then you're giving yourself that that extra edge for, you know, to really kind of accelerate what it is that you're doing. Yeah, so, so someone like me, like I use paid advertised paid ads for just about everything. Like every single one of my businesses, I've always used paid ads. And uh, do you think that, for someone like me, for a small YouTuber, like we should be doing paid ads or do you just think, you know, don't do paid ads? Because I actually talked to a couple of people and they were like, don't do paid ads, you know, at all. Do everything, you know, organically. What, what are your thoughts on that? Like, should I be doing paid ads? When it comes to paid ads, here are my thoughts. Um, when it comes to paid ads, Without question, it's a way to get traffic to what it is that you're doing. Um, you're marketing, but that's all it is. You're marketing, right? When it comes to the paid ads. So, um, so having ads as part of what it is that you're doing on YouTube, if your YouTube channel is a business makes, you know, it makes sense. However, if you're trying to grow the channel um, and you're trying to turn it into something to where, you know, it's like, yeah, it's a business, but I also want to grow subscribers. I want to get known in this space and all this other good stuff. Then in that case, you're not just looking at the ROI on your ad spend um, because you have a lot of other things um, at play. So it's not just how do I get people to my video and how do I get people to convert through that video that they're seeing? Because if you're, if you're using ads, that's the approach that you're taking. Just like if you're using ads on Facebook, the only difference is they're being hosted on a YouTube channel and not on Facebook, right? right. So you're looking at the conversion on your ad, not necessarily I'm trying to grow my channel with the ad. Now, I personally recommend that YouTube creators that are on the platform for the sake of, you know, growing a YouTube channel, I recommend that when they first start out, they absolutely in no way even experiment with running ads, 
because one, most people don't know what they're doing. Two, um, if you can't get an organic response on YouTube, and what I mean by that is if when your video happens to somebody on the homepage, when they just log in and YouTube shows it to them, um, like I was just talking about in terms of, you know, the different targeting, um, if you can't get them to, if you can't get people to click on your videos and watch them when they're in search, and you can't get people to click and watch your videos when they're being suggested to them next to other videos, you can't get people to click on your videos and watch them when they're showing up in their subscription feed, you can't get people to click and watch in your videos when they're showing up on their homepages, well, guess what? You can spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on your on your ad campaign to bring tons of attention to your YouTube channel. You'll get all these subscribers from all these people that just hit the button just based on the numbers. And then what happens is, as soon as you turn off that faucet of ad money, your channel just dies because yeah. you haven't went through the process in that situation of learning how to get people to respond organically. And that means that all those people that came in from that video that you push the ads on or that handful of videos that you push the ads on, sure, they came in, they subscribed, they even gave that indicator that, hey, I might even be interested in this. But you haven't developed the skill yet or the understanding yet of your audience to be able to, to convince them to click on what it is that you're uploading. And because of that, YouTube is going to show your content to those people, right? To some of those people that recently interacted with your channel. Guess what? If you haven't developed that skill to get them to click, a lot of people aren't going to click on it. Therefore, those video, the performance of those videos is going to suffer. And then YouTube is not going to keep showing your videos to, you know, the rest of the people that you paid hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands or thousands of dollars to get your uh, content in front of. So the last thing that you want to do when you're first getting started, if you don't know, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, the last thing you want to do when you're first getting started is to spend a bunch of money on ads to inflate your numbers because what you're doing in that situation is you're inflating your numbers for people that are not going to respond to your content if you haven't learned how to get an organic response yet. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, let's say that you're learning to play basketball. You know, you can't just, you know, hop into the NBA and then all of a sudden you're just like dunking on people, right? Like you got to start with like, okay, I got I to gotta do this free throw you know, 50,000, 100,000 times just to make sure that I can hit it. Probably more than that. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a professional basketball player, <laughs> but, but, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep, you know, tossing that ball in the, you know, from the three, uh, free, three throw, and it's a tongue twister from the, the free throw line. You gotta keep tossing it, um, you know, in there so that, uh, so that you can develop your skill and understanding of that shot so that your body, you know, kind of flows through that shot naturally. When you're dunking, same exact thing. You're not, you know, most people aren't going to dunk on that first shot. You got to develop your leg muscles. You got to develop the the right place to jump when you're coming at it from all these different angles. Same with layups, right? You, you know, you got to hit it from a different angle and you got to take a different approach and you got to develop each of those approaches as you're going through it. You know, YouTube's the same exact way to where, you know, you're just going through the process. When you're first getting started, you're going through the process of developing all these skills and you can't really shortcut it. Now, if you know what you're doing, like, like in my case, if I were to start a channel today and I were to start running ads on that channel, I'm confident in my ability. I still wouldn't do it right out of the gate because I need to make sure that the people that I'm trying to target with the new channel would be people that would make sense for my content to make sure that I can get them to respond. But I would be able to do that relatively fast. And then once I did that, you know, if I wanted to spend a bunch of money on ads to inflate the numbers because I knew that I'd be able to get those people to click, it would make sense. But if you don't know how to do that stuff, if you haven't developed the skill set of making that content that people really enjoy yet or getting them to click, then in that case, you're you're just going to be throwing your money in the gutter by just trying to inflate your numbers. I know somebody actually worked with them. They came to me um, because they grew their channel to 9,000 subscribers by paid ads. They have, you know, they're, they're, they're a wealthy person. They have tons of money and they're like, Hey, you know, I, I want to shortcut this thing and I want to, um, you know, uh, basically blow my channel up and I'm just going to spend a bunch of money to make it happen. And they did. 
and they blew it up to 9,000 subscribers. But unfortunately, what I'm talking to you about right now in terms of that faucet shutting off, that's exactly what happened. And they came to me and they're like, man, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I, try, I stopped spending ads and now nobody's watching my videos. And, you know, and I had to go through that conversation with them of, you know, well, because you, you know, you, you, you jumped from here instead of trying to, you know, and trying to, instead of trying to jump from here instead. And because of that, we had to go through the process of, you know, just simply teaching them how to make videos that people responded to, you know, working on their thumbnails, working on their titles, that sort of thing, so that we could fine tune what it was, um, you know, that they were doing for their audience. And the funny thing is, and this happens a lot. The funny thing is the amount of work involved in doing that wasn't what they were in for because they just thought I can spend money and then I can make it happen, but they couldn't. They had to go through that process just like every YouTuber that starts out. doesn't matter if you are making videos from your phone, from a phone that's five years old and you're making thumbnails on your phone and you've never been on camera before. Like they, like they have to start from that particular point so that they can learn how to get that organic response, right? So they didn't want to go through that process anymore because, you know, we kept fine-tuning it and kept fine-tuning it. And, uh, and they were like, you know what? I'm, I'm just, I'm wasting my time here and, and I'm, I'm just not going to keep doing this. So because of that, you know, I really recommend, um, and, and that's not the only time that's ever happened to me. So because of that, I really recommend to people that, you know, you don't try to shortcut things because there isn't really a shortcut um, in terms of the skill development side. Once you develop the skills, sure, you can shortcut left and right because once you develop the skills, once you develop the networks, all that good stuff, then just like everything else in life, you know, there's always easier paths to take. But in the process of developing the skills required in order to get the results that you're after on YouTube, like you got to sweat it out. Unfortunately, you got to sweat it out. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I did everything backwards when I first started my channel. You know, I started off doing paid ads because, you know, everything that I do, everything I've ever done, I've run traffic to it, utilizing paid ads, whether it be Facebook, YouTube, whatever. And so when I started this channel, my first thought is, oh, I'm going to run traffic to it. And so I did. And that's how I got like my first 50, 60 subscribers. And then, of course, it was recommended that I not do that. I don't remember if it was you or maybe it was Daryl or someone else. Uh, and I stopped and instantly everything stopped. So I wasn't getting any more subscribers. I wasn't getting, you know, the amount of views uh, on my videos. I had no idea what I was doing really. And that's, you know, I really started to, to delve deep into things like, um, uh, thumbnails and titles and so forth so that I could get that organic traffic because I had no idea what I was doing. Honestly, this is a brand new platform for me. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, like, and, and here, and with that, keep in mind, like you're coming onto the platform where you already know, you know, like how to write headlines, you know, because, you know, you've ran businesses before. You already know how to write headlines. You already know how to, you know, do some of the stuff that's required and you still have to go through that process of, you know, of, of fine tuning it. Imagine, Imagine Bob who has worked in a factory until he's, you know, 40 years old and then he decides to come on YouTube at 40 and he hasn't really, you know, he's never written a headline. He's never had to grab somebody's attention with text. He's never designed anything or taken an image in any way, shape or form to where he has, you know, learned to get people to respond through imagery. He hasn't ran ads like you have, right? To where he hasn't learned, hey, you know, people respond to images that are kind of like this. Um, he hasn't went through that process. He hasn't ever been on camera outside of like home movies and things like that. So he doesn't know how to keep people entertained. Imagine the learning curve 
that comes with, you know, with Bob <laughs> when he comes onto the platform, right? Like, you know, like, like you and me, we have a huge advantage that, you know, we have some of this online stuff behind us. So when we got to the platform, you know, there's already, you know, a little bit of understanding, even though we might not fully get it initially, you know, we still have a lot of tools that we come into the game with compared to a lot of other people that, um, that come on the, uh, that come on the platform, even younger people, you know, if you're, if you're 20 and you're coming onto YouTube and you haven't really done anything outside of, you know, like going to school, but you haven't done anything like on the creative side of things, you know, writing headlines and stuff like I just talked about, you know, you're going to have those same hurdles in front of you as well. The only thing that the only advantage that you have is you probably grew up watching YouTube. You grew up seeing how people put videos together. So you already understand at least somewhat the expectations of, that people have when it comes to uh, consuming content on the internet. So you have that advantage. But in terms of the nuances, you know, a lot of people that come on, they did, you know, they, there's, there's a lot of learning that, that uh, it's a big learning curve, steep learning curve. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, at least, I think the biggest challenge for me uh, wasn't writing like headlines or anything like that, but uh, was the thumbnail because I'm not a creative person uh, like you are. You, you're very creative. Uh, I don't have a creative bone in my body to be honest with you. <laughs> so like when I'm doing a thumbnail, like I'm trying to create a thumbnail in Photoshop and I have to get my wife. My wife is an artist. So she comes in and she started to help me out, you know, figure out what's the best way to, you know, where should my image be placed and everything. And of course, going through all your videos on, on YouTube, um, for, for, for someone like me, that's very left brained, not creative at all. What should a thumbnail really consist of? Like, should it have a person's face on it? What is all that about? Um, everything needs to be tested. So, um, you know, if we take the basketball concept again, you know, you got to try that, that, uh, that three throw shot um, from, you know, all over the, you know, that three pointer, that's the easier way to say it. you got to, you got to try that three pointer <laughs> from all over the court. Right. And, and you just keep testing and you kind of find out where your sweet spots are. Um, and then you try to develop everything else, you know, that, that isn't a sweet spot, but when it comes to thumbnails, you have to test it against the people that YouTube is showing your content to. So, um, there's been studies done, lots of them that have shown that, um, people respond to faces typically more on YouTube than non-faces. However, one thing that, um, that isn't taken into account in those studies is that, you know, how many of the those channels that are sampled actually have popular YouTubers to where people know who they are and they respond based on that. Right. right. And then there's other things to where, um, to where it's important to think about like, okay, if you're looking for tech content and I just like to use tech as an example, because it's such an obvious one. Like if you're, if you're making tech content and you're not a known person yet, then in that situation, you might want to just focus on the tech because that's what the person that you're trying to reach cares about. They don't know who you are yet. Um, and in addition to that, even when people do know who you, even when people do know who you are, like I've got 30 million views on my channel, right? I've got 650 something thousand subscribers. However, I still have 66% of my audience that have, that are, that are new. They haven't seen my content before, right? They come in, they're, they're new viewers. They haven't seen my content before. So when I have my face and my thumbnails, that's typically because I want them to keep seeing my face so that hopefully they'll end up clicking on it. Kind of like the idea when you're running ads, you know, how the more people are exposed to your ad, then the more likely they are to, you know, at least come in and give it a shot or whatever. Similar yeah. idea with my face. Um, however, some of my thumbnails, they don't land. So because of that, you know, I'll test my thumbnails, you know, with faces, without faces and things like that. I've even narrowed it down to a nice handful of expressions that I use continually because I've proven through testing that those get a better response than some of the other expressions that I use. So when it comes to what it is that you're doing with your thumbnails, everybody should test it. And, when, and you can use TubeBuddy for this, but everybody should test it. 
And when you test it, you test your colors, test using text or not using text, te um, test zooming in versus zooming out. So for example, like when it comes to the imagery in your phone or your 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 thumbnail, if you think like, hey, I'm, I'm making a, a video about um, about this iPhone, right? So it, a lot of people will do something like this to where they'll put it you know, back here and this would be the whole thing. So it'd be like, you know, hey, this is the new iPhone. But if you're trying to grab somebody's attention who's looking for information on an iPhone, you want them to see this, right? To where the only thing that they see is the iPhone, right? Because then that resonates with what it is that they care about. So, you know, you want to test things like that on your channel based on the type of content that you make and think, all you got to do is just think it through of the people that I'm trying to reach. And this is why it's so important to know who it is that you're actually, you know, going for, who you're making content for. The people that I'm trying to reach, what will make the most sense to them when I publish this video in terms of my thumbnail and title combination, because you always want to think of them together because they work as a package, but you want to think, okay, with the people that I'm trying to reach, what makes the most sense to them? If they are, if they're consuming baseball content and I have a baseball channel, then I need to make sure that even if I'm talking about baseball from behind my desk and I'm not on a baseball field, I'm not wearing cleats or anything like that. I'm just talking about baseball, just like I'm talking to you right now. In my thumbnail, I'm going to have baseball imagery or something that is symbolic of baseball because YouTube is going to identify that that particular user is consuming content on baseball. Therefore, they're going to sample your channel and they're going to say, hey, this particular user is watching content on baseball. They watch all these other channels that some of your viewers also watch these channels as well. We think this person might be a good fit. Their system thinks that, that your uh, this video might be a good fit for them. So what they're gonna do is they're gonna show that video next to another baseball related video or just another video somewhere on the platform or next to another video on the platform that's going to show up in the recommended section for somebody that's been watching baseball content because they think that yours might be a good fit. Well, guess what? If it's just you sitting behind a desk, then you're not going to visually grab their attention instantly. The only way that you're going to grab their attention in that case is if they happen to look at your title. However, if you and, and you clearly say in your title, it's about basketball. If it's like, I can't believe this happened and you're sitting there at a desk, you're not getting the click. <laughs> yeah. But if if it's if, if your thumbnail has baseball imagery in it, then right out of the gate, you've grabbed their attention with your thumbnail and they can identify that your video is about something that they care about, which is baseball. And then you have something in your title that also, I call it an audience identifier, but it's also something that lets them know that it's for them as well to where maybe you mention baseball or a team, something like that. Um, then in that situation, what you've done is you've let them know that your video is for them and then they're going to make the choice topically on if they care about that video or not, or they're just going to not even think about it. They're just going to comprehend that moment and they're going to be like, oh, thumbnail baseball looks interesting, clicking on it, right? Yeah. So when it comes to your, your thumbnails and your titles, it's really important to really think of who it is that you're trying to reach with them because if you don't know who it is that you're trying to reach with the content that you're making, then you're not going to be able to make the right decisions. It's going to help you get in front of more of them. If you know who it is that you're trying to reach with your content, then it's important that you use the imagery and the language of that particular audience so that you can make sure that you're getting in front of that particular audience so that they can identify that your content's for them. If you look at my channel as an example, Almost every single one of my titles and or my thumbnails either has a play button in it, it has the word YouTube in it, or it has the word YouTuber in it. Sometimes I'll just use you. Um, also, now that my channel's gotten bigger, sometimes I'll just use you. But even in that case, I'll say things like, you know, um, you know how you can make better videos because then that's still targeting towards YouTubers, right? So I'll still use language in my in my titles to where a YouTuber can still identify that my content's for them as well. So it's really important just to make sure that you first think of who am I making content for? 
what type of things go go on adobe stock and literally look okay if i make cooking content uh, if I make content about uh, low carb recipes, go to Adobe Stock or Google Images, low carb recipes. See the things that people are, are representing low carb recipes with. If you make baseball content, go and start looking around for baseball imagery. Look at all the other baseball channels. See the imagery that they're using. If you make entrepreneurship content, go and start looking for entrepreneur, entrepreneurship books and magazines because what they've done is they've tested a lot of that stuff. So therefore, they're using imagery that makes sense to people um, in that particular space. And you can use that as inspiration for what it is that you're doing as well. So, you know, it's really important just to think, who am I after? What's the imagery that they that they can identify this particular video with? And how can I kind of frame this up and use the right language in order to get them to respond to what it is that I'm doing? Yeah, you know, your, your thumbnails are super, super consistent. When, when I first found you a long time ago, I don't remember what I actually searched, but the, the first six videos were all you. And it, it, it was crazy. I was like, wow, this guy's everywhere. And everything was so super consistent. I was like, dude, I have to click on this guy's, you know, uh, video and watch it. And then of course, at that point, I just started binge watching to like three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, All right. For the win. <laughs> Yeah, thank yeah, you. <laughs> I mean, everything like your message was so, so direct and concise. And it was exactly what I was looking for. Um, when, when, when you are, are doing your thumbnails, do you, I, I'm sure now you don't, but have you ever, like you create your, uh, your thumbnail, do you ever show it to anybody to get any type of critique on it? Is that something that I should be doing as well? Um, in my particular case, um, if I am having troubles with text, because I use typically I'll use my face, possibly like an off image, like, you know, an audience retention report image or something like that. But typically it's my face. And then I have like this um, branded type of text that I use in, in a majority of my thumbnails with just a little variation in that as well. Um, but typically if I if I reach out for help, it'll be a clarity thing. To where it's like, hey, you know, this is this is what I have in the text, and this is or this is what I have in the the text I have in the thumbnail. Um, this is the title of the video. Is this like crystal clear? And that's that's the kind of thing that I'll be going for because um, I know how to you know how to get my audience to click. So for me, it's more about clarity and just confirming that what I'm doing is clear. Now, with that said, you know, one of the things that prevents me from needing to do that in a lot of cases is, or most cases, is that um, I'll write a bunch of different titles. And when I write those titles, I'll do a little bar. And then after that, after I write the title, it'll be it'll be title, bar, and then it'll be the words that I'm going to have in my thumbnail. And by doing that, what I do is I'll, I'll write out, you know, sometimes 10 if I if I happen to nail it, by my opinion. Um, sometimes it'll be, you know, 20. Sometimes it'll be up to 50 to where I just sit there and I just keep writing titles and I try to make them shorter, more concise, more clear. And I, I look at the title and I look at the text I'm going to use in my thumbnail for how they actually, you know, complement or work together um, so that I can make sure sure that whatever version that I'm using, it's not just, hey, I think people will, will respond to this one title that I'm writing. It's how can I write a bunch of titles or not? How can I, I write a bunch of titles so that I can just fine tune it? And the funny thing is, is that original title might have been good. But by the time I get down, you know, 10 in, 15 in, whatever it happens to be, like that title, it's gotten shorter, it's gotten more concise, maybe a word's moved to the front instead of it being in the back, you know, little details like that, that end up, you know, making the framework of a really good title. Yeah. Do, do you ever change your stuff? Like what, once you put it out there, um, do you ever like change your titling? I, I know you split test your uh, thumbnails and everything. Like how long should I wait? Once a video goes live, do I start, you know, split testing things? 
Um, I recommend that um, that you wait and you do the split testing on older content. So the reason for that is because I rec- okay, here's the process that I recommend. I recommend that you write a bunch of titles um, first. Maybe you make a, a handful of thumbnails even first until you decide this one's the best one to, that represents who it is that I'm trying to reach and what this video is about. Um, and you look at the two and how they're going to work together. I would use this thumbnail with this title. It's more work, but I recommend that you do it anyway. Um, but do that first and then commit to it. And the reason it's important to commit to it is because if you have an understanding of your audience and you develop that understanding of like, what do they really care about? Like when they're looking for information on this content or when they're when they're watching other videos on what it is that I make videos about, like what is it that they're thinking when they're watching those other videos? What are struggles that they're having? What are things that I can do to, uh, to, to ease those struggles or just use that as something that I can leverage to bring more attention to my particular video, right? So, you know, when you're, when you're doing that, you wanna put all that stuff together first. But then after that, commit to it, publish the video, um, and then wait like three months, maybe even six months, depending on how good or bad the video is doing. And the reason for that is because sometimes you can publish a video and that video might not do great in that first, you know, seven days, 48 hours, 30 days. But then you'll notice, you know, 60, 90 days later, all of a sudden this video is starting to take off where before it might've been getting five views a day or 10 views a day. Now YouTube has identified the right audience for that particular video. Every time they're put, not every time, but when they put it in front of them, they're often clicking on it. They're coming in, they're enjoying the content. So YouTube identifies Bingo, we've got we, we've got it. We figured out who this particular audience is, so let's keep testing against more people like this. And then those people keep responding to it, and then that video can come back to life um, based on it being dormant, so to speak, for a period of time. So what you want to look for is after that, you know, three or six month period, um, you want to look and you want to say, okay, am I getting views at all? The answer is no then go ahead and make some changes to it. But if you are getting views on it, then in that case, say, okay, are the views like rising a little bit? Are they falling a little bit? Are they pretty consistent? If they're consistent, then just sit back again because three to six months from now, all the things you're gonna learn about your audience between now and three or six months, um, you're gonna have, you're gonna approach that video and how you're packaging it with, with different eyes. So in that case, look at it and say, okay, with this particular video, what is it that I could do here to make this just a little bit more fine-tuned for the people that I'm trying to reach? From there, you make the adjustment to it, and then you make another video that is similar in topic to that video, and then you try to bring attention to that video from the people that you think would be most likely to interact with that video by making a video, recommending that video in your description, in a pinned comment, and in your end screen, so that you can start to drive some traffic to that video so that you can hopefully help uh, speed up that process of YouTube identifying who's the right uh, people for that video. Dude, there's such great information. Um, if, if you could sum up everything into like maybe three tips for someone that has a small channel to gain, you know, as much momentum as they could, what, what would that be? Just like know, two or three know your audience, know who it is that you're making content for really think it through. Know who it is that you're making your content for. It's so important because when you know who you're making your content for, you can you can properly target everything that you're that you're putting out. You can use the language in terms of your titles or any lang- any you know any words that you put in your thumbnail. Um, the imagery that you're putting out is going to resonate with them. The topics that you choose to make videos about are also going to resonate with those people the most. Know who it is that you're making content for. That's super important. Two, know why it is that you're making content in the first place. Now, if you're just coming onto YouTube and you're like, hey, I'm just putting out some videos, I don't really care. I just have fun making videos, then it's a totally different approach. But if you're like, hey, I'm trying to like make this thing work or I'm going to make this thing work, 
Who is it you're making content for? What is it that you actually want? Um, and, and technically, you should even do those backwards because when you know who it is or when you know what it is that you want, that can also help define the audience that you need to make content for, right? Um, but basically, those two things and then spend tons of time learning your analytics. There's a lot of information. It's overwhelming. It can be overwhelming. Um, sometimes it can even be confusing. However, the amount of time that you spend in there trying to get an understanding of how your audience is responding to what it is that you're doing um, and that will also be the roadmap for future content that you need to make on your channel because inside of your analytics you're going to notice based on the goals that you have you're going to notice that these particular types of videos drive more views when i use these words in my titles they get clicked on more when i do imagery like this in my thumbnails they get clicked on more than others um, when people watch my videos um, the audience retention reports that we were talking about earlier um, when they're watching at this point in the video, when I'm doing these particular things, they tend to leave more. Um, and when I do these particular things, adding graphics or adding music or not having music or graphics, then people tend to uh, respond more by watching the video for a longer period of time, test different calls to action, things like that. But you can use your stats to be able to identify the things that work and don't. So know what it is that you want, know who it is that you're making your content for, and learn your analytics because your analytics is going to be your roadmap. That's why it's there. It's, it's going to be your roadmap on, on the right choices to make in order to be able to tap into the potential that you have or the opportunities that you have on YouTube. Dude, love it. You know, for, for, for me, when I first started looking at the YouTube analytics, I had no idea what, what I was looking at. And, and it's funny because like I read analytical data like every day, all day long. And when I got into the YouTube dashboard, I was like, what, what is all this? And, you know, I didn't realize, you know, the, the graph, you know, my, my graph was like looking like a hockey stick. Like I had no idea what that meant or, you know, what I should be doing about it or, or anything. And, you know, I was, I was watching your, your videos and you you, you, you teach a lot about, uh, reading analytics and, and I love that. Um, is that, is that a, like a big part of what you do is looking at your analytics? How, how much time do you spend on that? Um, so it's gotten less and less over time, but basically what I'll typically do is I'll go in like once or twice a month and I'll do like a deep dive on my channel. And that's where I'll go in and I'll create groups on different things that I'm trying to figure out and I'll test things, um, uh, and not test things, but I'll, you know, like I'll, I'll group things together so that I can test them against each other. That's what I mean. Um, but I'll, I'll do that and I'll go in and I'll just see the videos that are performing over the last 90 days, um, in the last 28 days compared to, um, the videos that I put out recently or the videos that I put out in the past. Um, and that kind of helps me make the right choices on the content that I should put out next. Because just as another little side tip, like when you are looking at your analytics and you're seeing the content that's performing right now on your channel, doesn't matter when you published it, it's just what's performing right now. Like that's the stuff that's growing your channel. So because of that, like that's bringing people in. So you got to make sure that that content that's performing now on your channel, if you want that momentum, you have to lean into that content that's performing in terms of making more content like it, because that's the stuff that the people that are coming into your channel right now are interested in. So because of that, I'll look into, you know, that area a lot as well, but I'll also go and I'll, I'll, you know, double check in on my click through rate and I'll look for little things in my audience retention as well. Um, just to see if there's any, any holes that I can patch. But like I said before, you know, like with my audience retention, you know, even though this is something that I do, you know, uh, like professionally, even with my audience retention, you know, I have some videos to where I nail it and I'll get like a, you know, 70% or close to 70, which with the view counts that I get, like that's pretty hard to maintain. Um, and then I'll have other ones to where, you know, I suck and I'll be like, ah, that video just didn't land. You know, I got like a 40, a 40% audience retention on that particular one. So, you know, so I just want everybody to understand that as a content creator, somebody's uploading videos to YouTube, if you identify as a content creator or not, if you're uploading videos to YouTube, you know, just understand that, 
you know, some of your videos, you might be able to nail it. Other ones, not so much. But the goal is every single video that you publish, try to make it better than the next and try to get that response a little bit better than the one that you did before. Yeah, you know, I, I've noticed on my channel uh, recently, uh, probably over, over the past three or four weeks that I actually have some very old videos that, you know, two years old on this channel that are like number one and two uh, that people are just watching. And so, you know, due to your advice, you know, I've gone ahead and leaned in and actually recently shot uh, a couple of videos uh, that are very similar because they're, you know, tutorial type videos, exactly how to dive into a particular type of software. Uh, one of them is Infusionsoft. Uh, and I don't, I don't even use Infusionsoft anymore, but it's kind of what people are wanting. So I was like, well, let me shoot a, a few, you know, videos because I'm getting most of my subscribers and most of my views from those old videos. Uh, yeah. And with that, like in your case, like that, an added bonus is you can also promote Infusionsoft as well. So you're winning all the way across the board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Situation. yeah. Um, are, are there any like uh, smaller YouTubers that you see that are doing all the right stuff that you think are just going to explode uh, here soon? Um, it's not necessarily that I that I look at channels and I think that they're going to explode. Um, my thing, like the reason I don't take that approach is because, you know, sometimes people can be nailing it for a little bit and then they make a couple of wrong decisions and they start driving themselves down the wrong road. So I don't try to like really predict like, hey, this person's going to blow up. But I do see a lot of channels um, that to where I look at them and I'm like, okay, they've got, they're doing all the stuff. So it's just a matter of fine tuning, but they'll do fine if they just hold it out, right? If they just, if they just maintain what it is that they're doing and they just fine tune a little bit, then they'll be, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll end up succeeding on YouTube or um, being able to generate, you know, some type of view counts or followings or whatever it happens to be from their YouTube channel. So I do see a lot of that um, in terms of like name dropping. I don't have anything <laughs> off the top of my head, but, um, but in terms of, you know, seeing that a lot, absolutely. Yeah, I, th I think a lot of it just comes down to consistency, you know, doing what you set out to do consistently over and over. You know, I tell people, you know, that's kind of the key of, of making a lot of money. I've made a lot of money in my life and it was just doing the same thing over and over every single day, day in, day out. So um, as as someone online that teaches YouTube, do, do you, is there a, like a course that you have that people can can go check out? Uh, where, you know, where, where can people find you online? Um, right now, if you go to nicknimmon.com at the very top, I have a course that's coming out really soon. Um, at the very top of that, there's a little uh, little option there in the navigation that says course. If you click on that, then you can actually hop on the email list for that and you can be notified as soon as it launches. Um, in terms of the other things that I'm involved with, my podcast, my web store, things like that, you can find all of that um, on nicknimmon.com. Yeah, you, you got a terrific podcast. I'm a huge podcast junkie. I probably listen oh, to like nice. nine to 15 different shows every day. I always have my headset. This, this is my headset. I always have my headset in my ear. My, my wife will tell you like she hates it. Um, and I'm always listening to a podcast. And uh, like I, I listen to yours, like even ones that I've heard before, I still go back and, and listen to them because it's, it's all great info. Um and uh, I listen to you between uh, not or typically between uh, six o'clock and uh, eight o'clock in the morning. And uh, you got some really epic content, man. 
like thank you great. i appreciate it i'm glad i'm glad that you're finding value in it i'm actually in the process right now i'm experimenting um since i'm doing this setup and it's a little bit more fluid and i'm still fine-tuning it um but i'm actually uh yesterday was the first one that i recorded um that i'm also experimenting with recording a video version as well um so that might be available on youtube soon but i'm not 100 sure yet it just depends on the you know the workflow and how to get it all together but um but i'm experimenting with also doing a video version of the podcast as well yeah, that, that's my wife up on the screen, Create with Bed Vinestead. Uh, it says, yeah, because I can't talk to you. Because <laughs> I'm always listening to, to, to a podcast or, or to you know a YouTube channel or something like that. Um, so before we get off, I, I'd like to just really quick ask you a couple of uh, rapid fire style questions, uh, just kind of get to know you a little bit better uh, and so forth. You know, just whatever falls off the top of your head. Is that cool? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, number one, favorite food of all time. Pizza. Love it. <laughs> number one place in the world you've ever visited. Um, I would have to say, I would have to say Thailand. I love it here. Yeah. And, you know, for, for those that don't know, Nick actually lives in Thailand. So awesome. Um, YouTuber podcast. YouTube. Uh, YouTuber blog. YouTube. <laughs> shocked <laughs> yeah um, i know right <laughs> advertise to cold traffic yes or no uh yeah actually all right uh favorite movie of all time man that's so tough so um and this isn't a quick bite but uh i'm a huge fan of interstellar i think it's in my top like three maybe and uh we just had it here recently i haven't been to a movie since the uh whole lockdown thing started and uh you know we're, we're okay now we don't have any active cases in the country or anything like that but um i just went to the first movie literally yesterday since since you know everything started going crazy and uh and i went to, uh, to interstellar in IMAX. So they, they're replaying it in IMAX. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's out. So we went and watched it in IMAX. And uh, oh man, it's just, uh, I love it. Like I love Interstellar so much that I'll even drive around listening to the uh, to the soundtrack. Like I love Interstellar, but I'm not sure if it's my favorite, but probably it's it's at least in the top like three to five. Awesome. What, what, what's your favorite quote from the movie? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the answer to that one. Yeah, I'm not sure. All right. I, I don't have like a special quote from it. I just love the whole the whole story. Nice. Yeah, it's a great it's a great movie. Uh, what, what what is the top? Uh, what is one of the top things that you would put on your bucket list? On my bucket list. Yeah. Hmm. I've done a lot of my bucket list, um, but I need to expand it now. What would be the top thing on my bucket list? Man, I don't. Yeah, I don't know on that one either. That's bucket okay. list. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, you're going to give me stuff to explore here. This is good. That, that, that's good. Yeah. I mean, these are questions that I ask myself. So, um, number one person you most admire in any field? That I most admire? I'd say my brother because I, I, I get – I know that sounds corny, but I just get a lot of inspiration from him. And he always has like a really good perspective on things. And sometimes like when I am um, – like when I'm you know thinking about something in one way, like he'll come in with just like a splinter right in the whole situation that will make me you know think about something in another way or consider other things. So he's been um, he's been very instrumental, if that's the right word, in just helping me open up my mind and look at things, the world, and just situations in, in a totally different light. So um, because of that, as corny as it sounds, I'm going to lean on my brother. <laughs> Dude, oh, that, that's awesome. That's like – you know, I've got a brother and sister that we're not close. And I would love to say something like that. So. <laughs> um, well, thanks for being uh, here with me, Nick. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, you've given. Thanks for having me on, man. This has been awesome. Yeah. Been awesome. Oh, we should have. definitely do it again sometime. 
Absolutely. Um, just, just so much stuff. You know, I'm just kind of reeling from all this information. Uh, but uh, I hope everybody watching this has enjoyed. Uh, really appreciate you all being here uh, with us today. And uh, we will see you all tomorrow. So take care, guys. Peace.